When we are afraid of something, we avoid always like procrastinate or you delay it, like reschedule or like put it off or whatever because you don't want to deal with it. Hi, everybody. I'm Katina McHenry and welcome to Fuck Fear. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we are talking about fear of the uncomfortable conversation, which sounds really heavy and big. But I'd love to welcome my guest today, who is a Austin-based life coach. She's been on the podcast before. I'm happy to welcome her back, Ellen Torreson. Is Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She, she had to have an uncomfortable conversation with me about <laughs> pronouncing her name. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yep. <laughs> oh, gosh. But uh, I think fear of the uncomfortable conversation exists in lots of places in life. Uh, at work, where you have to have the sit-down conversation if you're a manager or if you're in the other chair uh, uh, or with a colleague or just a team member of maybe something that didn't go very well. And uh, and recently, I'm, I'm in the position of that having three teenagers and having to have what could be seen as uncomfortable conversations about things that we need to tell them about. So let's let's start, Ellen. Let's start with why we are afraid of the uncomfortable conversation. Where does it start? Where does it come from? Okay, so I think as we've talked about before, there's, you know, we're wired for danger. Like we're wired to protect, like our brains want to keep us safe from danger. And so anything where we have to be vulnerable, which is sort of the predominant feeling we have with a con when we have to have a conversation that's potentially going to be uncomfortable, like firing someone or maybe being on the receiving end of getting fired or having a hard conversation with someone in a relationship, et cetera, you feel vulnerable. Um, and basically just feeling vulnerable is just like when you don't know how it's going to go, like right. there's a lot of uncertainty and you're having to kind of put yourself out there and be like who you really are, ask for what you really want Maybe you have to apologize or you have to admit a mistake, receive criticism, like all these things feel very unsafe to our brain. So it elicits this fear response right. and we start like, you know, freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think th th that fear manifests itself in so many different ways. Sometimes you just avoid the conversation or avoid the person knowing that you do have to have the conversation. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sometimes even with a family member, I think this comes up a lot during the holidays, right? Depending on the political year or just what issues that are surrounding certain family members, um, talking about, you know, hard things that have happened in the family or a family member that others know and some other family members don't know. Um, so do you, I feel like it, you know, we talked a minute ago, it comes from the same emotion of, yes, the uncertainty, but also not knowing how to handle the situation depending on how it goes. Right, because there's, there's so much uncertainty there. Like yeah. you have no idea how the other person's gonna respond, what they're gonna say, how you're going to respond in the moment. And it's a very kind of panicky, right. anxiety inducing. And what happens is like you said, you avoid it. Like that's a totally, when we are afraid of something, we avoid always like mm -hmm. procrastinate or you delay it, like reschedule right. or like put it off or whatever because you don't want to deal with it because it's 
danger to your brain. Right, right. And I think too, now we, we have different methods of communication. So sometimes we choose to use a different form of communication to avoid the face-to-face, like texting somebody rather than calling them or just doing the in-person meeting. Obviously, we can't really do much of that right now in COVID, but um, it's interesting how we make our choices because of what we're trying to avoid when it comes mm-hmm. to how we communicate. Yeah. I mean, we we will do almost anything to not have to experience that feeling of unease in our body, you know, yeah. just like that panicky fight or flight feeling. Yeah. Well, in your, in your practice and seeing the clients that you do, what are some things that you notice or they talk to you about? I mean, not specifically, but in general relating to this topic of, of being afraid to have that conversation. So I see this come up quite a bit. Um, I'd say what I've seen most common is work scenarios, like having to lay someone off um, or like um, family scenarios. Like I had one client who back at Thanksgiving, like she, her, her mom and her family wanted her to come in person at Thanksgiving but she and her partner did not want to because of COVID Mm -hmm. and she just fretted about having to tell them that they weren't coming for Thanksgiving. And, you know, luckily we talked about it kind of at the beginning of her fret cycle. (laughs) Like she, (laughs) she hadn't been fretting forever by the time we talked about it. And I gave her a couple of exercises to do. I do, um, I do a lot of journal prompts for people of like Mm -hmm. questions to ask yourself. And for her, we did the worst case scenario prompts. Like there's a series of questions I have you ask yourself of like, what's the worst that can happen? How realistic is that fear? Um, If it is realistic, what's your backup plan? If it's not, what can you tell yourself instead? And then at the end, it's basically like, how willing am I to experience the discomfort of having this conversation versus avoiding how uncomfortable I already am avoiding it. Right. Right. And she, the funny thing is she ended up, (laughs) she was so worried about it. I kid you not a week later, she had the conversation and her mom was like, okay, that's fine. And then like moved on. Like there it was a no, it was a non-issue. Like nothing even happened. Oh my gosh. So she's like, yeah, I'm glad I fretted about that. Yeah. A waste of time. Oh my gosh. You have like such a knot in your stomach about yeah. it. And like just the sheer thought of it. I know like I go through the same thing, having to talk to people that I'm close to about something. Oh my gosh. I sometimes feel like I'm going to have a heart attack because <laughs> yeah, like you, you wake up thinking about it and, and you go to sleep thinking about it. Right. And then yeah. what you end up doing when you avoid is you're like, prolonging the misery for yourself because if you would just take action and actually have the conversation it's like you know they say like rip the band-aid off or whatever it's like you think about the number of days and hours and weeks sometimes that you're fretting and like how much of your brain space is taken up by all this worry and fear about something where you have no idea how it's going to turn out versus if you just go have the conversation, like how much time you give yourself back by just doing it. Right. Like it's going to be uncomfortable either way. Right. Might as well make it, you know, not be 
three weeks long. Right. Well, and like, like the time too is so important and the peace of mind is so important because you think about how that affects just you as a person, how it affects your health, how, how stress manifests itself in you. It, it, yeah, it, it could just, I mean, you, you lose so much internal peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's all, it all comes back to the vulnerability. It's like that uncertainty and having to say something like an apology or give some difficult feedback where you're like worried you're going to hurt the other person. Right. Sometimes. I mean, I even have like, I have one client who's an executive and she was going to have to let someone go. And I think, you know, coming from corporate, I was in corporate for over 20 years. And it's like, you have this impression of executives as like, I don't know, bulletproof. Like they can just handle all these scenarios. Like it's no big deal. But I mean, she was just like anyone else would be like, she did not want to do have the conversation. She was dreading it. She was worried about hurting this person and upsetting her and what would happen to her life and all these things. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's better to just have the conversation because what ended up happening was the person was kind of like wanting to move on anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And was kind of grateful to get a severance package to enable her to sort of take the next step in her life. Right. So again, we, we just end up hurting ourselves by delaying. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the element of vulnerability. Because it, it feels like a big thing to face. And I always feel like when I think of the word vulnerability, I imagine like walking into a room naked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't or know that, why like, that recurring nightmare that you're on stage and you don't know your lines. And yes. I, I used to have that and I was never in theater class, but I would still have yeah. that nightmare of like yeah. not knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. So why is vulnerability so difficult for us? Why, why are we so resistant to letting it happen? I think it's because when you're being vulnerable is when you are like being authentic, Mm. you know, you're, Mm. you're having to show someone who you really are. You know, if you're like in a, maybe you're like taking a risk on a relationship or telling someone how you really feel telling someone what you really need. And that's like, when you're really showing your true self and like, kind of like being as your authentic self, because a lot of times we all walk around all the time acting how we're think we're supposed to act and doing what we're supposed to do to fit in and to be accepted. And so there's this fear that we're not going to be accepted. Like, Oh my gosh, if I'm not accepted for who I really truly am, Mm -hmm. then what? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's like you're handing your heart over to a person and being like, please right. don't smush this, right. you know? Right, right. So I think it's hard about that. Be, uh, take care of my heart or I don't know. I don't oh, know. There's so it's many songs song. about our heart. <laughs> I know. I mean, have, so yeah, I mean, it's, and it's like, I think that comes from, you know, I don't know how, how many thousands and millions of years ago but you know when we were in in tribes like you wanted to be accepted into the tribe because again that meant survival right you know if you could demonstrate that you had a skill the tribe needed like the ability to you know hunt or 
make fire or whatever it was, like you were accepted to the group. And so that whole need to be accepted by other people is still here with us. Like it's not really appropriate anymore considering we're not living in caves and such. It's like that that need to be accepted. So that's why like why a lot of people compare themselves to others all the time. Mm-hmm. It's still that like primal need to be included in the tribe. Right. And so when you're being authentic, it's like you might be telling them, I don't actually know how to make fire. Even though oh, you like right. let me in, I don't want to be kicked out of the tribe. Oh. I love that metaphor might be telling them you don't know how to, I like that. I'm a very visual person. So I just like pictured that, like, I don't know how to rub the sticks together. (laughs) I know. I saw my friend do it and they made it look so easy, but then I did it. It was really hard. It was really hard. Am I not rubbing them correctly on the right side or what? Yeah. Like, please don't kick me out to the cave. I can do other things. I can gather. (laughs) I can gather. Yep. That's so funny. Do you think there's a difference when it comes to just having the uncomfortable conversation with children? I mean, there are a myriad of conversations we have to have with our children as they get older. You have teens, I have teens, and mm-hmm. and I've gone through that. Oh gosh, it feels like the last twenty years. <laughs> of uh, it feels oh, like that and, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It feels real yeah. long. Yes, it does. It yeah. is totally. I think it is different with children. I mean, mm-hmm. some of it's the same. Like some of the skills that you want to use during those conversations are universal. For instance, listening intently. Sure. Like so many people, when they're in a conversation with someone, are just thinking of what they're going to say next. Right. And they're not truly listening. And people interrupt all the time because um, they're not listening. They're just trying to like get their chance to say what they want to say. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> it's, you know, and it's, if you can just, there's so much value in just really listening to another person and like not interrupting them and giving them the space to say what they need to say, whether you agree with it or not. Like people really just want to be heard, but especially kids, like kids want to know that they're being heard. So I think, I mean, it applies with adults and kids, but I think listening and I think uh, acknowledging and validating. So, and I, I'm anyone who's had a toddler knows that this works like magic. And I, I swear it works on toddlers and it works on, you know, 50 year old humans. Like it works with everybody. Yeah. It's like when someone like, let's say you're having this uncomfortable conversation with an employee about their performance or something. And they're like telling you all the reasons why it happened or whatever. If you can just acknowledge like, oh, it, like it totally makes sense that you're feeling this way. And I can totally understand why you'd be feeling left out of the conversation or whatever it is. Like acknowledge it that their feelings are totally valid and that you hear what they're saying. It diffuses so much of the emotion mm-hmm. to just be heard. Mm-hmm. Like I've done that with my kids where... <laughs> We were talking about Xbox before we got on here. Yes. And I had to take Xbox away from my son a little while ago. And I was having him clean the baseboards in the house. 
as punishment for something Mm -hmm. and until he couldn't have xbox till he was done and he was complaining nonstop about you know his very difficult life he has because he's of poor unfortunate soul (laughs) and I just like let him talk and I was like listen I know this is frustrating I know xbox is really important to you I know that's where you spend time with your friends like I just said all these things and he literally had nothing to say he was dead silent he just looked at me like oh (laughs) okay (laughs) he did it was like there was nothing to argue about anymore because I agreed with him like yeah it sucks doesn't it I know right so don't get in trouble again. Yeah. Maybe right. you should like not do that. <laughs> right. 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 Wow. So do you think that as children get older, that it's easier to have uncomfortable conversations or do you think it's the same no matter how old they are or, or their level of maturity? I think it depends on the kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, all kids are like my oldest I have to use a completely different strategy with sure. him than with my youngest. And they're not that far apart in age, but yeah. it's like, they're different people and they respond differently. You know, like the oldest, you can be much more firm with him and he will respond. The youngest, if you're too firm with him, he will completely shut down yeah, and won't even like engage. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you have to kind of just learn their personalities and like, what works well for them and what doesn't. And mm-hmm. also when things are really heated and you're mad at each other, yelling at each other, like that is not the time to have the conversation. Like wait till right. things calm down. Be like, okay, like I'm gonna, we're gonna take a time out. And then you only try to talk when you are calm. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you think about, if you're in a fear response, when you're talking to a person, like think of how things that would come out of your mouth and the volume and the tone and everything that comes when you're afraid versus when you're calm, like the message is going to be very different. Right. So you want to like, try to get yourself into, you know, before going into a conversation into like a state of mind of where you're feeling calm, confident, certain, you know, any kind of word like that like there's so many words with c's all the c words yeah versus angry and fearful and you're going to have a much more successful conversation right right yeah and i it helps you avoid saying something you don't really mean too Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. you might regret right when you're finished yeah yeah so what what are some other strategies we can use to get over the fear, have the uncomfortable conversation? So I have some strategies for what to do before the conversation and what to do during. So before the conversation, I think it's really important to get super clean, like meaning clean, meaning like clear, like clear about the purpose of the conversation and the desired outcome. Um, Because again, you don't know where this conversation is going to go. You don't know how it's going to go. If someone's going to start crying or yelling or whatever, or if you're going to want to cry. So when you know kind of the purpose, it serves as sort of your North Star to always point back towards Mm -hmm. and like refocus you and recenter you Mm -hmm. when things go off the rails. Um, And you can repeat that thought to yourself 
over and over to help put you in that emotional state yeah. that we talked about, like to help you feel calm and confident about what you're doing. You just keep reminding yourself of the purpose. Um, also look for the facts, the facts and remind yourself of them often, you know, facts of like, if it's a performance review with a person and you know that they, I don't know, didn't turn their work in on time 10 times, whatever like actual factual pieces you have information or if it's the kid and the curfew was 11 o'clock and they got home at two, that's a fact, right? Mm -hmm. Now, like saying you think someone's emotional, that's not a fact, that's your opinion, Mm -hmm. right? So be super clear on the facts and like remind yourself of those often because mm-hmm. it helps it helps diffuse some of that panic and anxiety when you stick to cold hard facts mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and then when those fearful thoughts come up which they will they just will like they're just going to do that you don't have to make it mean anything right, right. um challenge them you know like ask like some of those worst case scenario prompts i said like how likely is this to actually happen how, tr- you know, how true is this thing I'm telling myself right now? And that's where the facts come in too. Like you go back to the facts, what's actually true here? What's, what's me making a story up in my head that's not doing me any good. Mm-hmm. It kind of helps keep you like anchored, right? right. Um, I also like to say, give equal airtime to the helpful thoughts. So, you know, so much of what we have in our head is like the negative, 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 Like be like, okay, if I'm going to worry about this for an hour, then I have to like focus on all the ways this could come out in a positive outcome for an hour. Mm -hmm. Like try to make yourself give equal airtime to all the ways that this could be a learning experience, the ways it could serve you, the way it could strengthen a skill that you need to work on, the ways it could turn out in a positive way. Like give your brain, make it work on the positive side too. Right. Going to the negative is easy. Like right. That's where it'll always go because everything's danger. Um, and then the last thing is take action. Like we talked about before, like you're going to want to avoid and delay, but that just leads to more fear and more anxiety, which makes you delay more, which right. makes it feel worse. Right. So right. those are my pre-conversation strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, during the conversation, Stick so, to the facts. Real quick, before we move on to to, to that one, um, during the conversation, when you say take action, does how do you decide, depending on what the topic is, how do you decide how you're going to communicate? Like how heavy does the topic have to be to decide it's a text message or a email or face-to-face or a phone call? Some of it is you will... So look, okay. So with kids, some of it comes back to the um, personality stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the age. So, you know, when my kids were littler, I could just, you know, sit and talk to them face to face and it right. was fine. But as they started becoming teenagers, I started learning what worked well and what didn't work well. You just start noticing like, well, that didn't go so well. Like right. you think of like, how could I do this? How might he receive this better next time? So one thing I like to do with them is talk in the car. 
because they don't like to make eye contact right. <laughs> and they can't escape either. Right. Like yeah. they're, you have like a captive audience. They're bound. So, <laughs> yeah. So like back when they actually used to go to physical school, I would offer to drive them to school a lot or pick them up whenever I could. And, you know, just also to give them space to like, tell me anything they want to tell me. I wouldn't pick at them because I know it's like moms really love to ask a lot of questions oh my and gosh, right, oh, it drives them crazy <laughs> they don't they, like it oh they hate it and they yes. like god mom but I would just do a lot of like I would base I would get in the car and just be like hey like how was your day or like I'd ask like one question and the rest of the ride if it had to be silent then it was silent but I just yeah. let them kind of like have that I would hold space for sure them to do awesome. what they needed to right yeah um and also like with my oldest son he responds well to text so you know if it's not like a super heavy topic like I don't know sex or something right. yeah you know like so don't you know you need to do the following if you're going to engage in this right. that might be face to face but other stuff like I'll just send them little messages I'd be like hey I noticed that you seemed a little down at dinner everything okay you know like because yeah. sometimes he responds better again when he doesn't have to do face to face sure um so kid dependent I'd say with adults eh, I mean it'll probably also depends on the person too but Certain things like, you know, obviously firing someone. Right. That's face-to-face for sure. Or phone. You know, one thing I do like about Zoom is you can see a person's facial expressions. Right. Because there's, you know, it's one thing to hear what someone's saying, but there's so much that they say without speaking. Oh, yeah. Yes. 90% of our language is nonverbal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um you know, I don't know if there's any hard and fast rules other than obviously don't fire someone over text. Oh, um, God, that would be real bad. Or break um, up with somebody over text. Or break That's up. Horrible. Divorce, you know. Yeah. These are things that mainly, I think the rule of thumb is to be like, how would you want someone to deliver this information sure. to you? Yep. And then go with that. And mm-hmm. even if it feels uncomfortable, like do the right thing. Right. Right. Good. Okay. All right. So now let's talk about your strategies during the conversation. Okay. So during the conversation, you're going to want to stick to those facts again. Like it'll be important to know what the facts are because they will be like really useful to you when someone's yelling at your face or whatever happens. Right. And remembering the purpose, the desired outcome, like that North star, just think of yourself as like, you're, if you're like driving down the road and you're going towards this destination, you're going to, when the conversation happens, you're going to hit like a pothole and there's going to be construction and there's an accident and then there's a snowstorm and like, you're going to get pulled off, but you have to always keep rerouting back to the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, acknowledging and accepting responsibility upfront helps diffuse a lot of what, because they're probably coming in all, you know, they, they probably didn't get coached before they went into their conversations. Right. <laughs> Chances right. are they probably are just going in with their primal emotions, right? right? So if you can acknowledge and accept any kind of response, even if you think you've done absolutely nothing wrong, mm-hmm. just find something. 
you know, like yeah. it could even be, you know, I probably should have had this conversation sooner with you than I'm having it. And I acknowledge, you know, like anything you can find. Yeah. And then listen, like all caps, listen, mm-hmm. no debating or arguing, like no thinking of what to say next. Just really try to like, don't be like checking your phone or it's like, just really focus in and hear the other person. Um, and then again, acknowledging and the validating, just hear where they are. Yeah. And it's kind of just rinse and repeat all that again until you get to the outcome. Sure. Which should be a, hopefully a good outcome. <laughs> right. Not one well, where... And don't make the outcome be dependent on the other person saying or behaving in a certain way because in your conversation is never going to end. Right. Like the outcome has to be something you are in control of. Right. You know, right. that you got your point across, that you, um, you know, are willing to do whatever, open to hearing opinions, committed to communicating X, Y, Z. Yeah. Things that you can control. Yeah. One thing I wonder about is the uncomfortable conversation with a difficult person, one who is not willing to listen or does not take, um, the other person's feelings into account and Mm -hmm. only cares about whether or not what you're saying to them makes them look good or doesn't look good. So would all of these strategies still apply with somebody who is difficult to deal with in the first place and difficult to communicate with in the first place? Yeah, I think so. Because if they, you know, them wanting to only have what makes them look good or feel good or whatever is all about them and again you can't control how Mm -hmm. they're going to feel right Mm -hmm. but if you're sticking to the facts only and you are listening and you are staying calm that's I mean that's all you can do you can't control how they're going to respond or react I mean I wish we could but sadly we cannot (laughs) it's too bad (laughs) yeah that's where the facts are your friend because Mm -hmm. you can't argue with them right right Right. Right. And that's, you know, boundaries come into there too. Those aren't necessarily facts, but those are like your facts, like what's true for you, what you know, your boundaries are. Right. That's like a whole nother thing, but like, as long as you're sticking to your boundaries and your facts, there's not, not much else you can do. Right. Right. And then just feel peace in knowing that you finally got it off your chest, whatever it was that you needed to say. Right. Like your desired outcome might have been that you needed to get something off your chest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long as you're listening and, you know, giving the other person an opportunity to say what they have to say, they can be as upset as they want to be. Like you have, like, it's a big skill to learn how to like, let them be uncomfortable. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think too, it's, it's okay to have the, un- it's okay to be uncomfortable in the, mm-hmm. in the discomfort or the awkwardness of the moment. Right. Right. I yeah. mean, cause when you're, you know, the thing about vulnerability is it leads to things like connection, true connection yeah. Yeah. and true joy because you are, when you are like being authentic and being your true self and, you know, 
like living your truth, the more you do that and show up for yourself like that, then like not everyone's going to love your true self and that's okay. But the ones who do and the connection you have with them is like the best connection ever. Right. Because they love you for who you are, you know, like in your heart. Yeah. Oh, and that's just so like when you get to that moment, that's such, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a good place to end it. So hopefully we all find our, our connections <laughs> after we get through the fear of, of having the uncomfortable conversation. We have been talking today with certified life coach, Ellen Torson. Thank you so much for your time. This has been so great. And I hope you listeners uh, will be able to gain something out of this conversation and get over uh, whatever fear that you have with thinking about the uncomfortable conversation you have to have. Thank you again, Ellen. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time on Fuck Fear. Coming up on a new episode of Fuck Fear. Just because you don't know how things are going to turn out doesn't mean you shouldn't do something that you know in your heart you should do or make a decision you know in your heart you need to make. And in the same regard, not doing something you don't want to do because you're afraid. Don't let fear dictate what you should do because you're afraid of what the outcome might be. Fear sometimes forces us into making decisions we know in our hearts and souls we don't want to make and should not make because we're afraid of what we think the outcome is going to be. This is fresh on my heart. It just happened to me. And so we're talking about fear of the uncertain outcome. The bottom line is it's all going to be okay. And even better when you join me for this episode. Be sure to join us on a new episode of the Fuck Fear podcast where we talk about our fears and learn ways to get through them so that we can live more peacefully and more freely. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you feel led, I'd love for you to write a review, check out other episodes, and as always, thank you for listening.